0: This podcast takes a lot of energy out of me and it is past my bedtime. But I have to tell you that I'm extremely jazzed about the interview that I just did with a close friend who's making a huge impact in the world. Time and time again, through every stage of his life, no matter what community that he was part of, he makes the world a better place everywhere he goes. Extremely proud to have him as a friend, um, TEDx speaker, humanitarian. He created an initiative after living in the Arctic for six months called Break the Divide that has become an internationally recognized nonprofit and is now in med school. If it wasn't possible to do more, he is. And I'm extremely excited for you to hear a little bit about how to take action in spite of fear, how one person can make a significant difference in the world and how you and I can start to contribute to our purpose today to be a selfless contributor and make a dent on this world. Excited to have my good friend Rohan Singh. Please enjoy the show. Hi. This is Gripped. Rohan, welcome to the show.
1: Thanks for having me. I'm really excited to be on this show.
0: Happy for you to be here. I've <laughs> been watching you from afar since we met at the Jack Summit back in March. And where I want to start, because your bio is impressive and it's long and I couldn't think you could you gotten any longer but in fact when I looked into your your history uh-huh. you were talking about bridges over borders back in 2013 so I'm listening to this TED talk that you gave and I'm thinking to myself this bio is already so long but it doesn't include anything that you did before university mm-hmm. but I want to start there um, because that was one of your biggest passions at the time was diversity correct
1: Absolutely. And I think it still is, but it's definitely evolved from the definition I had of diversity when I was younger versus what it is now. Okay. And at
0: the time you said that you wanted to build bridges over building borders. Mm -hmm. And you talked about diversity as being, uh, you know, like as an example, diversity without inclusion is like an ingredient list without a recipe. Mm -hmm. one of the things you talked about so do you mind sharing you know how your perspective has changed from building bridges over borders to what it looks like now
1: absolutely i think for me it's still about building bridges over borders and i think it's so evident in today's uh, political system especially in the states where literal borders are being built um, and walls are being built and i think that's totally the opposite way we should be going in our humanity uh, building bridges is what brings us together it's what connects our cultures and through building these bridges is when you realize that all our differences actually make us the same and I think that's the beauty of building bridges and a lot of times I think people just forget that and people just start looking out for themselves and putting themselves into different cliques and I think we really need to get out of that mentality if we want to grow as humans, if we want to expand our horizons and our perspectives so that we can learn about other people and adapt those things, perhaps good and bad, and see, take the good things from other people and apply to your life so that you can become a better person.
0: Yeah, in that TEDx talk, you mentioned mm-hmm. moving to Canada at eight years old. Yep and you noticed that the, there seemed to be this lack of understanding, and I don't know if you would have called it that at the time, a lack mm-hmm. of understanding of celebration of cultural differences, but do you still see that as being uh, extremely common and you know, why haven't things changed since you first noticed that?
1: I think when I was younger and I moved to Canada, it was a shock to me because in India, I was a very spoiled kid. I was friends with everyone and even though everyone looked like me they were indian uh, there were a lot of differences between each other and we all respected that but when i moved to canada i still remember the elementary school that i went to for the first time i was being bullied for the way that i looked for the way that i talked with my indian accent for the clothes that i wore and the food that i ate and the funny thing about that was a lot of the other south asian kids were the ones who were bullying me And that was something I still remember. Like, it still bothered me why someone who looks like me uh, probably eats the same food as me is bullying me. And I really did not know how to take it all in. And I thought that Canada is like this. And it was something that, again, really bothered me a lot. I told my parents about this. And they were like, you know, it takes time to settle in. But for me, it was, again, something that really bothered me because in India, I was a very popular kid and I want I got everything that, that I always wanted. And so to see here that these kids did not accept me for the way that I was and for being myself was something that always triggered me. And so I took it as my mission to try to change their minds, but not even their minds, but change my perspective as well On the whole situation. And so I remember during our recess times, I would go up to um, kids of different colors. I didn't care about their ethnicity, I didn't care where they came from, where the religions, but I started talking to them. And through that, I started improving my English. I started learning about different cuisines. I started learning about uh, what it means to be a Canadian. And when I started looking at the positive things and I started to ignore the negative things, is when i started to see a growth in myself and when i started seeing this growth is when i realized that the bullies that were bullying me had an issue with themselves and it's pretty interesting that at such a young age uh i was around eight years old i realized this and i'm so glad that that happened to me then because it made me such a better person and the person that i am today so i think it really definitely to find a huge moment in my life.
0: How do you think about bullying today, whether it's in school, it's in mm-hmm. politics, it's in the workplace, and what would you say to, whether it's your younger self, or maybe you know, your brother's going into university right now, maybe it's students that are in elementary school, what would you say to them if, if they're experiencing bullying that, w- that may support them in that transition?
1: For sure. I think the number one thing is to seek out support Uh, your mental health is so important and being bullied is not a fun process it does take a toll on you you feel as if you have no one else around you but I think that's uh, that's something that you have to really talk to someone about it doesn't matter who you talk to it can be your best friend it could be a teacher it could be your parents it could be your sibling but just getting it out there really helps you I know that when I started sharing my story I started healing from the whole process And it helped me realize that I actually have a huge support system around me that if I ever need their help in the future, I can always reach out to them. And so if you are being bullied, I think try to see what you can learn from it. First of all, ask for help. Second thing is know that it's not you who's at fault. It's the person's circumstances, whoever's bullying you. They might be going through an issue in their life. They might be raised in a situation where they don't know anything different. They don't know about your culture. So perhaps take that opportunity to maybe teach them about yourself and in non-confrontational way, uh, maybe share some food with them and make them realize that, you know what, at the end of the day, we're all humans. We are all the same people and we're in it together. And I think once you start realizing and trying to transform this bullying from negative to positive, it can really help change your perspective on life.
0: Yeah, thanks for that perspective.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: One thing that interests me most about that, that example of you being eight years old and being bullied is the way you decided to respond. Mm-hmm. And it shows up in your whole life, starting with, you know, when you moved to the new school, you took a stand for the Aboriginal community that was there. And then, yeah, moving on from that, it was People in Kenya and raising tens of thousands of dollars to build wells, and then it was volunteering and teaching as a nurse in in Ghana and India, and then working with deaf children, and then raising awareness for homelessness, and then diversity and and you know climate change, and you know the list continues to go on and on. And so I'm wondering, what is it? What is it about you? I really want to know what's going on here, man. Because you know what is it about you that when you look at the world, you say to yourself. I don't know what you say, but it's you know, something along those lines. I don't agree with how things are and I'm going to do something about it. So what, what's going on mm-hmm.
1: there? It's funny. I get this question a lot where people are like, what do you do in your life? Are you?" So now I'm in med school. But before then, they were like, what are you doing with your life? And to that, I respond. I'm being a human. I'm being the best version of myself. I'm trying to help as many people as I can. And I think in a selfish way, that actually helps me as well grow my perspectives and grow as an individual. I think I started again, uh, I think for me, helping a marginalized populations, doesn't matter anywhere in the world, is so important because they don't get a lot of representation, whether it be in the media or people really caring. If you see the news, you see that if, for instance, a flood happens in the States, there's gonna be a lot of coverage, but if it happens in a small town in India, no one really cares. And so for me, it's always reaching out to people that I think really could use a helping hand. And that's why I've always been interested in doing different things. And it's not like I'm actively going out there and searching for any problems or anything in the community. But rather, I think it's just when you notice your surroundings and you notice the place that you came from, I think it really helps you to get clarity and it helps you bring everything together it's hard to explain, but I think it's just something innate within me. But I also think it has to do a lot with my religion, and that's been a guiding principle in my life. That's really helped me um, focus on helping people as my main priority.
0: Can you can you elaborate a little bit on that? When you say based mm-hmm. off the values from your religion, can you share what that is?
1: For sure. So I'm a Sikh, and it is a religion that came from Northern India around 550 years ago, and it's now the fifth largest religion in the world. And the main concept and main message of Sikhism is called seva. And seva means selfless service. When I was five years old, I was, until the age of five, I was very spoiled. I used to get everything that I wanted on my birthdays, and my parents got me everything. And then on my fifth birthday, my dad took me to a place called Bengalara, which is a home for the destitute and physically handicapped. And I went inside this place and I saw a kid that was shackled by his feet on a broken bed. And this was just so striking to me that a kid my age, so I was five at the time, a kid my age was in this condition where his life, was being taken away from him essentially he had no parents he was just staying in this place without any support from anyone else except for the people that were volunteers or helping out or the physician that was treating his broken leg and it's at that moment where my dad told me that you are so blessed in your life where you have been given so many opportunities and he said he's the one who told me about what Sikhism is all about, about compassion, about SEVA. And I started going with the flow. And so when I moved to Canada, I realized that this is something that I want to continue my life with. I always see my dad as a role model, doing amazing things in the community. And so I wanted to follow that, which is why I also believe in the power of mentorship and the power of getting younger children in leadership positions where they can be the next leaders of today and tomorrow. And so that whole experience of going to Bangalore really, I think, transformed my life and also brought me closer to my religion. And that's the guiding principle that I now live by.
0: I can see that that's true for you. One of the mm-hmm. truths that I've recognized more recently in myself than I, than I had in the past was that, you know, for lack of a better way of saying it, excuse my language, but like everything that comes out of my mouth until it's backed Mm -hmm. up with action is bullshit. And, and what I see inside of your action is that selfless contribution. And I Mm want to acknowledge that, that it it takes a a very self-sufficient person to put others before themselves. And you're making a huge difference in the world. And it's inspiring to me. And I know it's inspiring to a lot of other people or else. Um, you wouldn't have the following that you do have. So kudos to you on that, man.
1: Thank you. I really appreciate that. But at the same time, I, I also think it's very important to focus on yourself. <laughs> as selfish as that sounds, uh, that's something that I've been realizing um, quite recently and in the past few years where if your health is not in the best um, standard or shape, you will not be able to help other people. And so I have gone through my mental health issues where I, the bullying that happened in school and then also happened in undergrad where I was being harassed by other people. And so these things happen and your mental health does take a toll, but I've always been the person where you have to rise above it and see how you can improve. And so taking care of yourself is so important. So if you start neglecting that part, I don't think you can do service to other people as well.
0: I agree hundred percent. And before we were talking mm-hmm. on the actual interview, you had mentioned that one of the, the struggles that you did have with your mental health was the rejection that you experienced uh, getting into medical school and what that process was like. Can you tell us a little bit about
1: oh, yeah.
0: what that experience was like, how that impacted you? And then like you're saying, you need to selfishly also make sure that you're taking care of yourself that looked like for you to make sure that you were in a position to continue to serve
1: absolutely i think the process of getting into med school is very cutthroat it is something that's not talked about a lot because a lot of people are scared to say things and once you get in uh, you feel amazing that you're in so why take the time out now to help other people and this was my third time that I applied to med school. And so the first two times that I applied, I was rejected. And it really left a lot of doubt in my mind where I was always told growing up, I was a very brilliant student and I've done a lot of things for the community. And so the first time that I applied was in 2013. And at this time I just was finishing out of undergraduate studies at McGill. And I was just trying to follow the process that everyone else was following, where right after undergrad, you go to med school and then you become a physician and you continue on to residency and all all that. And so when I wasn't accepted, I was devastated. And I think my parents could just feel within me that I was a different person. And I had a lot of, I was feeling as if I was not competent enough now to be a physician. And I just didn't know what else I wanted to do with my life. And I felt as if I don't think I can be a doctor anymore. And so, so I met up with a lot of people.
0: essential crisis, eh?
1: Oh, yeah. And I think if you ask a lot of med students uh, who have, did not get in on the first try, they would say the same thing. And it's something that I've been discussing uh, with a lot of people. And actually, one of my friends who is just sitting here with me, Uh, was acknowledging the fact that she also felt that as well. And so I think it's a common misconception that a lot of people have is that the path to medical school is very straightforward. It's totally the opposite. And so if I could tell myself now, uh, when I was in 2013, I would say thank you for not getting in. Because honestly, the years that followed were some of the best of my life, where I rediscovered my passion for helping people. I rediscovered, I've traveled the world, I've seen so many new cultures, I've been on different trips, I've spent time with my family, I've made new friends, I've made new relationships. And I think that's something that people often forget when they get a missed opportunity where they don't get into something. People think of that as an endpoint, but in 2013, I realized that was my point of starting again. And it was like a refresh button. I was like, okay, so this is what happened. How am I going to learn from this and grow from this? And so that wonderful blessing in disguise uh, turned into one of the best experiences in my life where I actually had the opportunity to go and live up in the Arctic. That's not something that a lot of people can say is that they lived up in the Arctic, but that happened to me because I did not get into med school on my first time.
0: Okay, and now you're... 200 kilometers above the arctic circle
1: <laughs> right and you're yeah. you're there for how long i was there for six months
0: for six months now, and
1: it was yeah
0: just for understanding kind of the sequence of events here had you already started break the divide mm-hmm. at this point or no
1: no not yet okay.
0: got it so this was the transition into that so did you have any specific Absolutely being there or was there was there a certain purpose for this trip
1: Mm -hmm. yeah so for me uh, going up to the Arctic was something that I was always really fascinated by especially when I moved to Canada and I was in social studies classes and I was learning about indigenous peoples living in the north as well as um, just how vast Canada is and how big Canada is yeah it was always something that I was curious to explore and for me, one of the biggest things is uh, because I did gr- um, become very fond of Indigenous peoples. A lot of my close friends in elementary school were Indigenous. And so I realized through my whole social studies classes a lot of the uh, systemic racism and colonization and residential schools and how that impacted Indigenous peoples living here. And that's something I also wanted to explore when I went up to the Arctic. And so luckily, an opportunity came by where one of my friends was actually visiting Hay River. And she told me about this opportunity to go live up in Inuvik, Northwest Territories. And this was definitely a lot higher than Hay River and a place where my mom did not want me to go. But uh, luckily, my dad was like, you know what, it's a -a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity, so you should take it and go.
0: Yeah, you got a little cheerleader. So I went up
1: here. Oh, yeah, exactly. And my brother as well, he was like, yeah, you should do this totally. (laughs) Well, he was being selfish by saying he'll have some break from me (laughs) Mm -hmm. so that he doesn't have to spend six months with me then. But uh, it was a really crazy, amazing experience that really reignited my vision of why I wanted to be a physician in the first place. And I think it was an opportunity for me to grow significantly more than I ever did in undergrad or high school because I was now learning from people. And I think that's the beauty of education and the downfall of education is that in our school systems, we mainly learn through our books. But when I was up here for six months volunteering, teaching indigenous youth sciences, I learned so much more from them than I could ever teach them about math or biology or chemistry. And this experience allowed me to learn so much about myself and about indigenous peoples, the treatment that they went through, and the conditions that they had to endure to be the people that they are today.
0: Was there any standout individuals that made an impact on the way you think about the world or the way you think about yourself as a man, whether it be an elder or a peer?
1: In the Arctic specifically yeah when you were there there were quite a few people actually that were up there Uh, first of all the teachers there were amazing they were there from all around the world it's not something it's not something when you think of the Arctic you think of people from Africa living up there and I was just amazed to see so much diversity in this little town uh, that is so secluded and remote from the rest of Canada and One person that really made an impact on me was Mama Esther, who took me in as her own and really made me feel so loved. For the first month that I was there, I kind of felt a little bit sad because I didn't really know a lot of people. I just went to the school, taught the students, came back. But then when I started going to a lot of the community events, a lot of people, of course, being the only sick uh, man up there in the Arctic. A lot of people, I think the whole community by the end recognized me, and they were so curious to learn about my religion and my culture, and at the same time, I was so curious to learn from them. And so it was like a mutual exchange of knowledge, and it was beautiful where Mama Esther at the end gave me a ring made of, made out of narwhal um, tusk, wow. and it was something that they only give to individuals that they treat as family. Very cool. And so that was very emotional. Yeah, it was amazing. And I will definitely keep that ring my whole life. And I think it's just about really connecting and talking. And that was the best experience. And a lot of elders that I met up there as well, who taught me a lot about climate change and how the impacts of climate change are going to be making a difference on the lives of not only indigenous people living in the North, but people all around the world. And a lot of times people don't realize that climate change is a real thing that's happening in Canada. they often associate it with issues that are happening, for instance, in parts of Africa where there's a lot of flooding or in China where there's a lot of air pollution. But people don't realize that if the Arctic ice melts, which it is right now, it's going to cause a lot of displacement of homes. A lot of wildlife will be lost. People's houses in the Arctic will be gone. It will have a huge impact not only on our economy, but our environment, on our people, on our mental health, on our physical health, infectious diseases will rise, you name it. Like, It is so important for us to start looking at the fact that the melting sea ice is going to make a huge difference around the world. And that's something that the elders definitely taught me.
0: Okay. And now that we're thinking, we're thinking very global at this Mm -hmm. point how does something like Break the Divide or one of your more recent initiatives, Let's Talk, how do those types of conversations help initiatives like or create social change around things like climate change as an example?
1: Absolutely. So Break the Divide started when I had focus groups with youth in the Arctic, and we were really talking about issues that impact them in their community. And a lot of the youth said that they felt secluded from the rest of Canada. A lot of youth said they had mental health issues. And so coincidentally, my brother was actually in the Arctic as well on an expedition with an organization called Students on Ice. Okay. There he noticed, yeah, so there he noticed the effects of climate change and how they impacted his friends personally who lived up in Iqaluit. And so me and him started talking. We're like, what can we do to bridge students from all around canada together and so through that break the divide was born and we started break the divide in 2017 and now it's ridiculous <laughs> the rate that it's grown it's amazing it started off with one conversation we had with youth in my school that i was teaching at in the with youth in my brother's school in delta british columbia and we started off as video conversation, and these youth started talking to each other, asking questions, asking really silly questions, uh, like, do you live in an igloo? <laughs> or do you have a pet polar bear? And the youth in the Inuvik were laughing because of these questions. They're like, uh, do they think we live up in the Arctic, you know? Uh, so it was a lot of like humor, and it was a really nice icebreaker to see that these youth were engaging with each other And if this platform wasn't there, perhaps they might not not have had the opportunity to do so. And so it started off as this, and we were really trying to see if we can take this and make it more of an action-based project. And so by fostering these friendships, we realized that youth actually started to care about each other, and they wanted to know about the issues that are happening in each other's communities. And so youth in Delta then started to take action on mental health. They created Mental Health Awareness Nights in their school and fundraise money, which can be used towards the communities in Nunavik. And what was so cool about this whole thing is that it started off as this one connection. And then as we started posting about this on Instagram and our social media, youth in South Africa, Cape Town, actually reached out to us saying that they want to get involved in this conversation. And so again, we had youth from Canada talking with youth in South Africa about water issue and the water crisis that's happening in South Africa. And so each community started taking action and seeing how they can help each other. And so we realized that this is actually helping the environment in a way where now youth are getting more personalized education by personally talking with individuals who are facing these environmental challenges firsthand. And That's the reason why I think Break the Divide has been so successful. And my brother and I would have never imagined that Break the Divide would become what it is, but it's getting a lot of great reception and we're continuing to grow.
0: Can you give me an example of a project that was started or initiated through Mm -hmm. these types of conversations?
1: For sure. So, one of the projects, uh, besides the mental health nights that were started, Uh, there was a really cool campaign that was started uh, for the water crisis in Cape Town where youth in Cape Town and in Canada came together to create a water awareness campaign and this was to see how much uh, individuals in South Africa use water on a daily basis versus youth in uh, British Columbia and how much they use this and so through analyzing the differences in the water a lot of youth actually said that they stopped using a lot of water in their houses and I think that's the beauty of it is that it doesn't have to be a global thing it can start off with change at home and I think just that one experience like I told you about when I went to Bangalore at the age of five made me want to do these initiatives it's now taking that and applying that to children And seeing how they can now learn from these experiences and apply apply it to their life and make the changes themselves. And so I think that was a really beautiful example of how Break the Divide has taken conversation to action.
0: Yeah, that is beautiful. And before we get into the last element here of the show where we talk a little Mm -hmm. bit, I want to ask you about how people can start to create initiatives like this in their own life. How can someone get involved with Break the Divide if they wanted to contribute?
1: It honestly starts with one action. It's so cheesy, I know. I've heard this from so many people before and I used to laugh when I heard it. Hmm. But it's so true. It's, it's honestly taking that first step into a direction that you may not be comfortable with and seeing how can you make a difference. And it's not something that you have to go out of your way to find, talk to your neighbor, talk to your friend and see what's impacting their lives. Is there something that can be improved? So you can definitely start off with small community events, which is what I used to do when I volunteered um, in elementary school and in high school, is that I used to talk to a lot of uh, volunteer organizations, being like, how can I get involved? And now with Break the Divide, if youth want to reach out to us, it's www.breakthedivide.net, or you can contact us on Instagram at Break the Divide. So Break the Divide is definitely accepting more people from around the world. It doesn't matter what language you speak, uh, where you come from. We have chapters in South Africa. We have chapters in Taiwan, in Canada, in America, and we're hoping to expand into Singapore and England as well. So it's definitely becoming a global movement, and we hope that a lot of youth want to get involved. Okay,
0: yeah, I'm happy to hear that. So those call to actions are the website BreakTheDivide.com and on Instagram BreakTheDivide, correct? Uh,
1: BreakTheDivide.net.
0: BreakTheDivide.net. Yes. (laughs) Okay, I'm glad we clarified that. Um, Let's let's roll with how do you get out of your head and into action? A lot of people who want to make a contribution. They see an injustice in the world. They want to take a stand for it, but they experience doubt or they don't know where to start, mm-hmm. and they hold themselves back, or they're afraid of ruffling feathers or getting rejected. How do you continue over and over and over again, or, and how have you gone out of your head and into action?
1: It's a difficult process, I'm not gonna lie. At times you feel like the actions you're trying to create are not gonna make a difference. And a lot of the times you feel as if what you're doing is, might be wasting your time, and their time and it's really hard to get out of that space but i think it's so important to look at people who inspire you around you and i always follow the philosophy of surrounding yourself with people that better you and i think it's such an important concept for especially young people out there that you might think that you're cool right now but watch what happens in five ten years when you're still when the person you were bullying or the person that wasn't Was feeling alone is now reaching a certain place in their life, and you wish you had that. And I think that's a critical point for a lot of youth uh, to try to fit in. So I think for youth, it's so important to be yourself. And if you feel like you don't belong in a certain place, there's places out there for you. It's all about reaching out. And the beauty of it is that everything on Google is so accessible now, you can literally type in something. And find a place that you fit in. And for me, I always look up to mentors in my life, and I've really built them through all the community work that I've done. And so when I don't feel inspired to do anything, I take out a few moments in my life and I reflect on the things I've done in the past and how it's made a positive impact in the lives of others and in myself. And I think that really helps reignite the flame within myself that okay, I need to do something about this issue. And also you see so many amazing youth out there. I think just in my family, we support each other so much. So look at your family for support. I think my brother would be my biggest supporter and likewise, I'm his biggest supporter because we both want to do great things in life and we want to help out as many people that we can. And then you have global superstars now like Greta, who is taking the world by storm and creating such a global action and initiative of this whole global climate strike skipping school on Fridays she started off as one individual who sat outside the Parliament in Sweden and she held a sign where she was protesting the government against its action of climate change so again it takes one person and if people are always bugged down and say that they can't make a difference I think Greta is a perfect example of that Then I have other people in my life like my friend Miranda who we were great friends in elementary school and we still are today. And we started off in grade 11 attending a summer camp together. And in this summer camp, she discovered a bacteria that can break down plastic. Like, how cool is that? At a grade 11, you discover something. And now she's taking her company, which is now in Silicon Valley, and expanding it around the world, which can help solve the plastic uh, pollution problem of the world. It's making her a ton of money, but it's also saving the world. And so you have to surround yourself with people that will make you better. And if you see that people around you are bringing you down, reassess yourself and see, is this person someone that can make me move one step forward? Or is this person going to make me move one step back? And again, the thing about being selfish that I talked about in the beginning, I was always a person who accepted everyone into my life. And I think it's still important to accept everyone into your life. But that doesn't necessarily mean that you have to surround yourself with that person always if they're going to bring you down. And so I would tell the youth out there, reach out to other people, mentors, find mentors, and surround yourself with people who are going to make you better. And trust me, these things will make a huge difference in your life.
0: Thank you. That was a very thoughtful, um, methodical answer. A lot of elements that I think Mm -hmm. I'll have to go back and unpack it as well, but mentors have fundamentally been my biggest shortcut to uh, what i've been successful in I and mean, i can actually see where the areas where i've fallen straight on my face is when i should have been asking for help but i thought i had everything figured out
1: mm-hmm. exactly it's all it's like we're humans we want everything to go perfectly as planned we want to be in charge and we we want to be in control of everything but we have to get to the place of being vulnerable and allowing yourself to make mistakes and seeing that we are not the best at everything. And so find someone who's better than you in something else. And I think your life will honestly take such a dramatic turn and you will feel happier. Of course, you're going to have those days where you feel down, where you don't want to get up. But you just have to remind yourself that what is your main purpose in life? Is it to help other people? Is it to become a better person? Is it to become more financially successful? Is it to help the economy? Is it to help the environment? Or it could encompass everything? And I think that's what we need to start looking at is what are your visions, what are your goals, and how do you plan to achieve them?
0: Fantastic, and let's say as an example, you know your purpose. And you mm-hmm. are getting out of your head and into action like we just talked about. And now you're creating something. One of the things that I admire most about you is your ability to enroll other people into what you're up to. Mm-hmm. Inspire them to want to contribute to that mission and, and participate. And so I'm just wondering, as a, one of the last closing out questions here, how do you think about influencing others to take a stand with you? And actually empowering mm-hmm. them to either participate or actually lead themselves
1: that's a very difficult question and i honestly don't know the answer to that because i think it just in the way you carry yourself and the way that you talk to people makes a huge difference i remember when i was in high school and the last day june 20th 2012 i was traveling to ghana and i was going there to volunteer with a medical camp and learn about the healthcare system over there. And then the process, I was raising money to help individuals there. And so I remember my friend at that time, he was telling me, he's like, oh, you're only going to this place to help yourself. You're not really helping other people. And I was just like reflecting on myself and I realized maybe this, he's being right. He's right. When I went there, I realized that no, I'm not doing this for myself. I am actually in a process where I'm learning about the things here so I can adapt them to my life. And hopefully, in the future, I can use these opportunities to help make a difference. And this led me on to going to Uganda in the future, where we raised a lot of money towards hygiene related initiatives in Uganda. And when my friend saw me making a difference there, he actually Emailed me and he told me that he he apologized for what he said to me when we were younger wow. and he thought that one person can't make a difference and so I really kudos give kudos to him for you know acknowledging that because it takes a lot of guts to apologize for something when uh, you say it and so he reached out to me and he told me that I never realized that one person can make a difference until I saw you doing the work that you did and. I think that was a point where I realized that it doesn't matter if people are supporting you or not, but if you feel in your heart that you're doing a good thing and you're not doing it for the wrong purpose, then that's all that matters. And once, once you realize that you are a genuine person who's trying to do good for the world, not for yourself, but for others, people will automatically join. And I think that's a blessing that I've been given is that through my years of community service and doing a lot of good a lot of people have joined the movement and have asked me questions about how they can start initiatives how they can join break the divide or how they can go out into their their own communities and create small action projects it again starts with one person taking that bold move to go forward and a lot of people might not support you in the beginning but trust me look at Greta now She was the one person who is sitting outside of there. Now there's millions of people around the world who are skipping school on Fridays so that they can march and participate in this climate strike. I think that's my life's uh, goal is to continue to let others know that it's okay to make mistakes. You just have to bounce back from them and become a better person internally, externally, You have to look at life through a new perspective where everyone is a good person. I think that's something that's missing in our society is we often look at people and we start by identifying their flaws. But what if we started looking at a person identifying all the positive qualities that they have within them and remove the factor of jealousy and competitiveness and and be like, okay, out absolutely judgment as well. And take those factors and Internalize them and take them into your life and see okay so i 'm going to take these positive qualities from this person, and i 'm going to remove these negative qualities from my life and I think that will help you so much in your life.
0: appreciate you sharing the very positive philosophy. I need a little more Rohan in my life for sure.
1: <laughs>
0: I will say I am very proud to know you, and I do hope that as we both continue to grow in the leadership capacities that we do that we can continue to contribute to each other. I think you're doing phenomenal work and I want to make sure that I'm there to support that. I don't almost, this is almost unnecessary, but the last question of the podcast is to have you share anything that's on your heart. I feel like you've been having your heart on your sleeve this entire episode. Mm-hmm. I just, I'm conscious as I ask the questions, I get to dictate the direction of the show. And so it's an opportunity yeah. for you to share from a place of Whatever's on your soul, whatever is inspiring mm-hmm. you right now, whatever message you want to leave the audience to marinate in their minds as they go to sleep tonight and they think about over the next the next couple of days, next couple of weeks. If if there's anything you want to to add here, this is that opportunity.
1: Yeah, for sure. Well, first of all, I just want to thank you as well for bringing me on your show. I think it's so important that you're doing a podcast like this, where you're bringing people from the community from all around the world, from backgrounds that. A lot of individuals may not know about and highlighting their work and so that is something that you should be really proud of and I'm proud to be your friend as well so thanks for doing this
0: happy to do it man
1: yeah and so I think a final thought would maybe stem from my med classes right now is that I was so excited on the day that I got my med acceptance on May 19th 2019 i still remember the day because it's never going to leave me and i still remember that feeling of excitement where my hands almost went numb because i was so happy and over the moon that i got into something that i've always dreamed about and then i've been now in med school for over a month and at times it feels as if the excitement goes down once you are in lectures and you don't understand a lot of things and you just feel as if you're not competent enough because you're in a class full of brilliant minds, and you feel as if did they make a mistake of putting you in the med school class? But then those are the moments where you realize that you have to look back and see how and why you wanted to be a physician in the first place. And I'm giving this example because I think it's it's evident of life and follows the direction of life is you get all these wonderful opportunities that bring you great highs, and then you have a lot of things in your life that bring you lows, but you have to start balancing them out and realize that your life is so short. So try to spend as much time as you can seeing the positive side of things. And so I know now that these lectures that I'm attending, a lot of them have a lot of difficult information, but then when I went to my family practice, I realized that all these lectures were actually something so important and I applied those to, the, to my patients' lives and it's something that's going to help them. And so once you take something that you learn in the environment, it doesn't have to be in a lecture, but once you talk to a person, you learn something from them, you won't realize that it's going to actually leave a huge mark in your life and you may notice it right now, you may notice it tomorrow, you may notice it in 10 years. that one moment can change your life and so i think for everyone out there be open to the possibilities of the unknown be vulnerable and let the unexpected happen and once you start embracing these and taking the positive things out of them your life can take a drastic turn towards a much happier and sustainable place
0: i think that wraps a bow In this podcast, my friend, I've been living over the the past couple of weeks with a a pretty heavy heart on um, something that that came up in my life that I really didn't want to happen. And I was seeing it as the worst thing that could have ever happened. But this is the advice that I needed right now to see it as an opportunity to see the best in it. I definitely learned a ton from the experience. I'm going to be able to move on and stand from a place of more maturity uh, and understanding of who I am as a man as a result of that. So that's exactly what I'm going to do. And I appreciate you reinforcing that for me.
1: Absolutely. I'm so glad you learned something from that event as well. Yep.
0: Okay. Well, I appreciate you being on the show. I know you need to get back to studying.
1: You are uh, currently at <laughs> yeah, in- the life of studying. Yeah. You're in the hospital right now, aren't you? Mm-hmm. I am. I'm in one of the rooms, stealing the room of uh, someone who could be studying in here. <laughs>
0: Okay, got it. So let me let you get back to that, Rohan. I really appreciate the time. If people want to find you online, they can go to International Sing.
1: That's correct. You can find me on Instagram on International Sing.
0: Yeah. Okay. Anywhere else that's a good place to check you out?
1: You can also find a lot of the information, again, on Break the Divide. So www.breakthedivide.net. All my contact information is on there. Or if you want to email me, my email is s-a-c-h-a-l at alumni.ubc.ca.
0: Okay, fantastic. I appreciate your time and I appreciate your contribution to the world.
1: Thank you so much for having me.